0: Chapter 4, again, I'll read verse 1, you read verse 2, we'll go on. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, is not of God, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for the, your precious word. And I pray, Father, that it's such a blessing for us to be able to read the scriptures, the sacred text, the communication that you've given to us. And Father, we want to hear from you tonight. And I pray that you would use your word and help us to find hope and encouragement Help us to see the way things are as you've communicated them. Help us to value, to elevate your word, to give you the credit for communicating to us to put weight in your words, and to put great weight in your words and to put little weight in our opinions. And we ask your blessing tonight on the scriptures and on our worship and we pray in Jesus' precious name amen you may be so good to have you here tonight thank you folks for coming giving me someone to preach to uh turn your Bibles to first John chapter 4 thank you folks for praying for us we had a wonderful really restful um, vacation just my wife and I in fact we came home we were home, came home about nine o'clock last night Jim I did not even know you called we had, were using my phone as a GPS. Yeah. And, and we think maybe we went out into the store because we should have seen your call. So we, we didn't find out about Ethan until this morning. Um, but I rarely get a chance to catch up on the news. Usually my wife gives me this synopsis. But this week I was able to watch the news. And if there's ever... Talk about helpless. You know, when you see what's going on in the Ukraine and you're able to see it in, in real time... And you hear of all these things, and you can't do anything about it. It is so helpless. Um, we need to be praying. You know, we mentioned Oksana this morning uh, in Poland. And as you know, the her camp has taken in refugees from Russia. And um, I believe Charlie said like 170, was it Charlie, and 120 are kids but 120 or kids. And they're just, I think they're overwhelmed. Actually, she posted, she didn't. Their camp posted a video on Facebook. And, and, the, and the guy does it. But it's all, it's all in Polish, I guess. So I couldn't understand it. And I didn't get a chance to finish it because I at least wanted to see the video and look for maybe Oksana would be in there or kind of get an assessment of it. But we need to be praying. Um, there's a family that we know, um, in Russia, that you know, we really need to be praying for this family, yeah. big time. Uh, I, I'm telling you, when I heard what Putin's words this week, his vexations towards people, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I have thought about this. You know, Hitler, when he was uh, when he was the leader of Germany for a long time, was just the leader of Germany. So many people just thought, well, that's Adolf Hitler. He's the the you know, he's he's the head of Germany. Now we know when we think of Adolf Hitler, I mean, he is like the epitome of evil. Well, apparently, Vladimir Putin is quite the evil man. And uh, when I heard his words, uh, I got scared for the people of Russia that um, we just need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ there. So let's let's have a time for prayer right now, and then we'll go into God's word. Our God, uh, thank you for those times when we are helpless. Because, um, in fact, forgive us for the times when we're not helpless and we don't depend on you. We think we got this or we become confident in the flesh. We think we stand and uh, that is probably our most dangerous spot. And Lord, I pray uh, for America that you'd have mercy on us and especially our leaders that have no fear of God in their eyes. And, and I pray, Father, that you'd bring all of America to its knees uh, to humble ourselves. We have forsaken you. We've made a God after our own imagination. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would have mercy on us. I pray for the people of Ukraine, that you'd please protect them and help them. Uh, thank you for the ministries, the people, the pastors, missionaries that have stayed there. Uh, to be with the people that they've ministered to, some for decades, and I just pray that you would bless them. Thank you, Lord, for the courage, the, the great examples of um, courageous men and women. Thinking of the Quit You Like Men challenge that Paul gave, thank you for the heroes that are rising to the top. And uh, Lord, I pray for the family that I'm thinking of, uh, that in in Russia, that you would just please protect them. In a very special way and bless them. And for our brothers and sisters in Christ. That are in Russia that you'd please take just watch over them and protect them. We leave that whole situation to you. And Lord I ask for your blessing upon the word tonight. Help us to glorify you and to respond to your word. In a way that would be described as worship. Because we have bowed our hearts and our knees to you. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text today is in 1 John chapter 4. We looked at verse 1 the last time, um, and but we're picking up... We're, the context is verse 1, so we're going to really do verses 2 through 6 today. Let me read through that again. John says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. talked about how the, the fact of truth welcomes examination, and this is an exhortation for God's people to examine preaching and teaching. Anything that claims to be of God, anything that claims to be spiritual truth, you and I need to have some holy skepticism, uh, not towards the Bible, but we want to make sure that teaching is from Scriptures. And so now, carrying with that thought, of discernment, biblical discernment. John says, Hereby know we the Spirit of God. And by the way, this is language. He's been using this the whole time, comparing good and evil. What is of God? What is of the devil? So he continues, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. That is the first test. Is that we're going to look tonight at the three things that we have to to look at to see what's of God. First is uh, theological. uh, What someone believes is very important. And he boils it down to one primary thing. What do they believe about Jesus Christ? Critical. We have to ask that. Number two uh, would be verse three. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you've heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, and this is the second thing, what they practice. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we first have to ask, what do they believe, especially about Jesus, number two, what do they practice? Because somebody that has the spirit of God is going to have a certain lifestyle, certain behavior. And then thirdly, uh, verse 5 and following, they are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And that is what they stick with. Uh, You know, it's, it's one thing for someone to claim that they are with us. And John's going to bring this out a little bit later on. And it goes with the the whole thing that we have to be discerning to anyone that is presenting something as gospel truth and the messenger as well. And the example that maybe John was thinking of in John chapter 6, Jesus gave some hard teachings. And it says later on in the text, there, it says, Many of them that heard uh, went back and walked no more. Many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Many, a lot of people forsook the Lord. That's, remember, that's when he turned to his disciples and said, will you also leave me? You know, that, that, we'll look at that later. So what they believe, what they practice, and what they stick with. Let's look first at what they believe. Verse 2, John says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is that spirit of Antichrist wherever you've heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. So the first test when it comes to sound teaching is theological. It's actually what we would call Christological about Jesus Christ. What does this person believe and teach about Jesus Christ. And by the way, it's interesting, this text, the verb that is expressed here um, with the word believe in verse 1, believe not every spirit. The tense and the, the way this is written is in such a way that he is saying, stop believing. So there are apparently at least some people that were being taken by some of the false teaching and John was writing and saying, you need to be discerning. You need to to kind of step back and be a little scrutinizing of who you're listening to and who you're giving ear to. I say a hearty amen to that. And here's, here's the central truth in which you and I have to judge all teaching. What do they believe about Jesus Christ? Not just, you know, when it says... Um, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. It's not just that we're looking for people to believe in a historical Jesus. It's not what John is, he's not saying it. as long as they give some acknowledgement to Jesus, he's going back to the incarnation. He's saying these you have to believe in the incarnation. He doesn't go into detail here. He gives it, but he's really. Kind of going back to the way he started this epistle. I remind you, I'll quote 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. John said, "...that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. And bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life." which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. He, he points out, he brings out, there's a very narrow spectrum of who we have fellowship with. And it all goes back to Jesus Christ and what, what you say about Him. They saw Jesus Christ. They they talked to him. They handled him with their hands. And and now they're testifying. That Jesus Christ came in the flesh. This whole doctrine of the incarnation. That we've covered before. There are multitudes of people. That would embrace. um, In a surface way. Christianity. But would reject. The Incarnation, which is Jesus Christ coming and being everything that He is. Unbelievers, that's who John is contrasting with. Unbelievers are in the other category. And yet, they may have a semblance of spirituality. They may talk Scripture and use certain Bible concepts, but I want to remind you that, in fact, a great verse is, is Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18. Let me quote it for you. It's kind of like, remember 1 Corinthians, I've quoted this so many times, you probably have it memorized. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world. You remember that? Hopefully, hopefully you're rattling it off like I am. Well, this is a parallel verse that I I don't, if ever, I don't know if I've quoted it, I probably have one. Ephesians 4.18, talking about people without God. It says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Wow, that's a parallel to 1 Corinthians 4.11, I think, or somewhere around there. You know, if our gospel said... Said them that are lost in the God of this world that blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ would shine into them. This is like the same thing, having their understanding darkened. They're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Why? Because of the blindness of their heart. This is referring to people. First Corinthians two fourteen. The natural man—that's a person that does not have the Spirit. He's in his natural unregenerative state. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Folks, we live in a world which is becoming more and more hostile to what we believe. The, The fact that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. Read an article from Michael Brown. Some of you have heard of Michael Brown. Um, the title of the article was "A University Professor's Sobering Picture of Christianity in America Today." And then he had a conversation with a a, or a, a college professor in America who shared his experience from 20 years ago. His name was Professor Yancey, and he, in fact, he writes in a book that came out in 2015. That's seven years ago. And the title of the book was Hostile Environment. Understanding and Responding to Anti-Christian Bias. And listen to what this professor said. He said, I remember vividly a disturbing conversation that I once had with a good Christian friend who taught in a high school. He told me that he mentioned one day in class, this is a high school in America many years ago. He mentioned one day in class that some Christians around the world were being killed for their faith. To his amazement, some students approved of these murders. In their minds, it was time for Christians to face the same death that Christians had inflicted on others. And then this man writes, I was struck by the ahistorical nature, in other words, it's not accurate history, The ahistorical nature of this line of thought, although Christians in the United States do not face jail or death for their faith, there's a long history of Christians around the world being punished for their faith. I also wondered how so much hatred had developed against Christians. This conversation took place almost two decades ago, and I see little evidence that this type of hatred has abated. And then Michael Brown picks up. He says, in fact... My recent research has confirmed that such hatred is still very powerful. He said, David Williamson and I conducted a survey of culturally progressive activists using open-ended questions. The survey elicited, the survey questions elicited a variety of hostile statements aimed at conservative Christians. One statement in particular from a male who was between the age of 36 and 45 caught my attention. He said in this survey in America said the only good Christian is a dead Christian. In short, and then it goes on, in short, this person said, when one is in a war, one should offer no mercy to the enemy. The respondent made it clear that he sees Christians as the enemy and believes that no mercy should be given them. Another person filling out the question, this guy was between 66 and 75, He said, the Christian rights influence in our government is as dangerous as the Taliban in Afghanistan or the Ayatollahs in Iran. We cannot allow them to get a solid foothold on our government. The only way to do this without infringing on their rights is to especially be vigilant and point out their bigotry and hypocrisy often and loudly so as to discredit them in the eyes of their followers and more importantly, the eyes of the voting populace. When I hear that, it is so evident to me that people first of all, are unaware of our heritage in America. Uh, And you all know, you've heard my story, and probably many of you have similar stories to this. If you grew up in the public school system, we got a sanitized, um, edited version of American history that made me think that our history, our founding fathers were completely secular. They were not religious. And then when I got saved... And starting reading and being taught primary sources and quotes from the Founding Fathers in context, it overwhelmed me. I felt like I'd been lied to. And probably most of my teachers just were parroting what they had learned in their secular schools. But I really felt like they they were pulling the wool over my eyes because they were not giving me an accurate portrayal Of God in our history. And these people. Obviously have no idea. How our founding fathers. This goes totally contrary to. What most of our founding fathers. God fearing people. Quoted scripture. Communicated the desire to bring glory to God. Over and over again. My how America has fallen. As Charlie mentioned last Sunday night, nations forgetting God. All because individuals are forgetting God. So, let's talk about what they practice. First, what they believe. Then what they practice. Beginning in verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. So what they practice. Verse 4 really is an affirmation of the believer's security against false teachers. You see, when God saves an individual, he implants within them the Spirit of God, and therefore their response to the Word of God is going to guide them and protect them From error, so someone that genuinely has the spirit of God, you are in the Father's hand, and He is going to keep you. Not everybody that goes through the motions of the 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 same motions you have, you know what I mean. You made a profession of faith, you prayed. A prayer because of what happened in your heart, God led you to a Bible believing church, and now you you many of you I'm especially in your evening service, you know you um you're convinced you want you came to church because you wanted to find a church that believed the Bible, and you walk with other believers, you believe they have the spirit of God, and so you and I have something that not everybody that has walked through these doors. Past thirty years have had. There have been a lot that have walked with us for a time, and they learned the lingo. Maybe they came from another church where the lingo was, you know, "Oh, I'm saved. I prayed the prayer, and i um, you know I love the Bible, love Jesus, you know, praise him, praise him." They they go through all the motions, but if they don't have the Spirit of God, it's going to become very evident, and they're not going to have the fruit of righteousness in their life. You know, um, I have been, and I know that you all are, as parents, we've been here long enough, that uh, our hearts are on children that grew up in our church. Many of them up here singing in the patch club. Uh, You know, um, I could reminisce, but I will not. And I'm very mindful of um, people that I know are saved who walked with us and then they went to heaven. And many of them had kids or grandkids that put a lot of effort into easing their parents' or their grandparents' conscience... When it came to their relationship with the Lord, now their parents or their grandparents are gone. And now there's nobody that they have to impress. You know, it is very easy to train up a hypocrite in the way in which he should pretend. That's not a Bible verse, by the way. But it is very easy. Uh, And I have learned that children have an amazing way to tell a parent what they want to hear. It's it's in their own best interest, isn't it? I did that. You gonna tell me you didn't do that? You know. And so, parents, as parents, we got to be so careful because children. We can train our children without even intending it. We're training them to be hypocrites, and so they'll say what they need to say to appease us. But, folks, it's gonna come out. If they don't really have a heart for the Lord, if they don't have the Spirit of God, it's going to come out. So we need to pray for our kids and the kids that have grown up here. We had a... um, one person... who one of the many that were part of our fellowship that walked with us and a very, very integral part of our church. You know, some the people that are like faithful to church, when they pass on, I, I still feel their presence. Feel It's weird, I know it's weird and it's not. But I really still feel their presence. You know, I could go on and name so many people that I that I still feel like they're such a part of our church. They're gone, but they're such a part of our church. And one of, one of the gals that was part of our church had a, um, I want to be vague, and um, had someone that was a family member that, in a sense, she raised. And this person um, posted something on Facebook and mentioned this lady that, um, that I love dearly. And the person said something like, you know, this is what I found. And anyway, it, it referred to this person doing something to make sure that her, the lady that we know, thought that she was, you know, walking in the straight and narrow is how they worded it. Um, and obviously that it's kind of a confession that I really wasn't walking in the straight and narrow. I just wanted to make sure my parent, my grandparent, the person that's in charge of me, thinks that I am. Well, this led uh, to all kinds of people responding, and this, this is what broke my heart. Uh, another person who apparently grew up in a Christian home, I, I assume by what they said, I did not know their name, but here's what they said. So this is someone that was young, grew up, Probably in a Bible believing church like ours and um somebody posted something that and here and here's what this person said. I realized young that there was little chance that I would die completely unexpectedly. According to evangelical dogma, all I have to do is be like curse words, sorry Jesus, and Jesus would be all we cool and off to heaven I'd go. Now I think it's all blank. She's profanity, and, and that's that's her perspective now. Looking at the past, growing up in a Christian home, this is now their perspective. Let me read this again. For This is devastating, but this is obviously someone who does not have the Spirit of God within them. I realized young that there was little chance that I would die completely unexpectedly. Oh, really? According to evangelical dogma, all I'd have to do is be like, expletive sorry jesus and jesus would be all we cool and off to heaven i'd go now i think it's all curse word first of all this person does not have a clear understanding of the gospel and that that person there's no regeneration there but here's someone who probably prayed a prayer as a kid and now they think okay that box is checked off just in case my parents We're right. And now I can go on and live my life free of God. That is tragic. That's why if you approach me in the 1990s, when I was in my 30s, or in the 2000s, when I was in my 40s, and you said, Pastor, how many people do you think in in Bible Baptist Church in Upper Darby, how many people do you think are saved? Just like if you ask me now, and and I would tell you all the people that give a clear confession. Clearly, most of the people that come to our church, I count them as saved because they have a testimony, they have a story. And, And like if you ask me that now, I'm looking at all you Folks. I think you're also, oh, well, no, maybe not. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, you, you folks give clear enough testimony. But folks, that's the way it's been. I remember in the 1990s, we had we, where we had a bigger attendance, there were so many people that were part of us. And there may have been one or two where I wasn't real sure. But by, by and large, most of them, I'm convinced that they're saved and treating them like my brother and sister. That's why John chapter 6 is so powerful in verse 66. Many of His disciples walked back and went no more with Him. And John is going to say a little later on, I believe in this chapter, they went out from us, but they were not of us. That's why, when I first heard as a young man, a young pastor, and I've collected, the as you know, you've heard me say this before, these, some of these statistics before, I've collected statements, I first heard, two famous preachers, one of them was Billy Graham, on how many people within our Bible-believing churches are probably not saved. And I remember hearing that as a young man. I'm like, wow, I don't know what church he's going to. That's pretty bad. I mean, that's crazy. But now that I look back, when I think of the, some of the people that have gone through our doors, and there's there's a a bunch of them. That, that no longer have anything to do with Christianity. But they've checked that box off, and so they're going on their merry way through life without God, thinking, no, I prayed that prayer, uh, apparently I'm good, and, and but it's not like they give any credence to Christianity. They're certainly not sticking with it. So let me share these statistics. And I've... I've kind of like this morning you know the quotes about miscommunication Uh, and by the way if you have any good quotes on miscommunication like I shared this morning give them to me I I keep track of them I also collect famous preachers statistics in their mind about how the percentage of people in our churches that they they think are not saved because the first time I heard that I balked (laughs) again I don't know where they go to church now that I look back I'm like wow they were probably pretty accurate. Listen to some of this. Bob Jones Sr., he was a fundamental Methodist preacher uh, way long ago. He believed that 50, at least 50% of the people in our Bible believing churches, fundamental Methodists, the people he, you know, that, that fit about 50% weren't saved. Dr. B.R. Lankin and W.A. Uh, w. Criswell both believe that 75% of the people in our churches probably aren't saved. Tozer, you remember, you've heard of the quotable A.W. Tozer? He said that he thought that 90% of the people in our churches probably weren't saved. Billy Graham said that 85% probably aren't saved. Evangelist Fred Brown, whoever he is, never, I don't know why, where I got this, but he said a high, he feared that a high percentage of members of independent Baptist churches were not born again. Lee Robertson, pastor of High Park Baptist Church, said that he thought not even 50% were saved. Now I balked at those statistics but now that I'm looking back because it's not who walks with you and who you know who has that story that we accept it's who really has the spirit of god dwelling within them Imagine that you grew up in a home where your dad is a Baptist pastor and He's not just a Baptist pastor. He is a world-renowned Baptist pastor. And he is in the news. The cameras interview. People want to interview him on what the latest trends of the day are. They they want to get his take on it. And for the most part, he accurately would present biblical Christianity. In fact, uh, he went toe-to-toe with Larry Flint. Ended up, you know, I forget what there was a lawsuit about between him and... I mean, this guy was well known. And he's your dad. And he grew up in this home. Everybody loves your dad. He starts, founds a, a, a college, Bible college. Pastor of a, a large, large Baptist church. And he's your dad. Every day you go to church and, I mean, this... Everybody give acc- gives accolades to your dad. By the way, you are named after your dad. And you hang out with him. You rub shoulders with the same people. You learn the jargon. And so it's very natural. People assume you're dad junior. And they have a lot of expectations. So eventually, you become... The president of the university that your dad founded. Here's a quote from Jerry Falwell Jr. Recently, he said this. He said, because of my last name, people think I'm a religious person, but I'm not. My goal was to make them realize that I was not my dad. Jerry Falwell Jr. You hear that? Because of my last name, people think I'm a religious person. That's it? Because of your last name? But I'm not. He said, my goal was to make them realize that I was not my dad. I'm not a religious person. Folks, there's a good chance he doesn't have the Spirit of God. But... I guess he learned the right language and here's, here's the danger in our day. That's why I quote that misquote. I just, you know, train up a hypocrite in the way in which he should betray, but pretend. Because that is the danger. Love your kids. Let them see Christ in you. And beg God to save their soul. And do not, just because your child prayed a prayer, Don't tell them, oh, I know you're saved. Just because you heard them pray. Let them prove to you through fruit that they are saved. Why how important that is. Verse 6, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. That would be John and the writers of Scripture. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error title of my message, I'm telling you now that it's over, is um, Keeping Power. Remember how I mentioned in the, early in the service here? This week, I've watched more news than I have in months. And, and I just felt so helpless. And as I went over this message again, which I'd done before I went away, and in the middle of the week I pulled it up, and as I've been thinking about it, uh, I feel Helpless. When it comes to so many young people, I believe it's the day we live. It's a totally different day than it was 20, 30 years ago. Uh, it is a helpless feeling. appreciate Mr. Kerr sharing some good news uh, about a young person that grew up in our church, but there's just a lot of bad news. It's a spiritual battle, folks. We need to be praying. Uh, there's a mighty army. If I, I'm convinced if, if this was 30 years ago, the norm, it was so much more common for people that grew up in a church to just stay there, the ones their parents went to. And um, we just need to pray. We need to pray for a revival. and We need to pray for America. And we need to pray for our young people. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. I pray, um, just thinking of, of this post that I saw, and just... Realizing how heartbreaking it would be for our dear sister if she saw that, and and Lord, I just pray that you'd bring revival. Pray for the young people in our church, all the young people that grew up in our church. There are so many, and Father, there many of them are content. To not walk with you, to not go to church, to not read their Bibles, uh, to not talk about spiritual things. Father, our heart breaks for them. We want, we want to say, we want them to return to you, but Lord, we don't know. We want them to be saved. Most importantly, uh, Father, we want them to be genuinely born again. Lord, maybe some of them would come across this message. And I pray, Father, that maybe they would realize that they never had the Spirit of God. That's why they had no heart for You. That they'd repent and get saved genuinely. Father, I pray that You would give us fruit, saved people, and that our fruit would remain. We ask Your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.